Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. If you have your Bible, would you please turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. I want to... Share again, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I, I'm going to read quite a few verses this morning. And while you're turning there, I want to talk about, as Christy began to share about a barren time of their life and so many we've prayed for, I want to just make a few points concerning the Scriptures and the times where the mother and a lady was put in a position of barrenness, a time when countries and families really needed something from the Lord. And there are many, but I want to mention a few again as you're turning to 1 Samuel. Samson was a child like that. Samson was a child who came by promise. God promised the family that they would have little Samson. If you want to do the study this week, you can turn to Judges chapter 13 and find out that in a time of great trouble, when the Philistines had the advantage over a country, that God brought the promise to a country through a mother. And he brought this by promise, and their first response to the promise of God when the child was born is, how should I raise him? And I think you heard that in this song, you know, your mother's the one not only that God would send the child to, but the one that may very well assist you in your faith getting you back to me. What a powerful thought when you think about a mother. I think about the prophecy that came before John the Baptist when a country was riddled with really the control of the Roman Empire and they seemingly had found their hopes and set their affections upon governments rather than God. And the systems of the synagogue had broken down. They did not have the faith or at least one that would be exemplary that would point you back to God, John the Baptist comes by prophecy. Some come by promise, others come by prophecy, and last but not least is Samuel. And in this chapter, as I read to you, Samuel will come by prayer. Samuel will also come to a mother who was barren and will come in a great time of need for not only his family but for a country. Jeremiah said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Every person here and everyone that hears this preaching, before he formed you in your mother's belly, he knew you. Staggering. I'd like to read with you again many verses. Would you 
I know it's easy to drift off as the pastor reads a lot of verses, but I want us to just take this context, this chapter, and just let it speak to us on what a mother's response in very real life situations to God was. Now there was a man in verse 1 of Rama, let's just call it Rama, of Mount Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, and the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ethriathite. How would you like to name your children that? How would you like to read that in front of the church? Amen, okay. Let's, let's get after verse 2 then. And he had two wives. There's basically one guy named Elkanah. He has two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The other was Penina. Penina had children. Hannah had no children. It's at least implied here that Hannah possibly, quite likely, was the first wife. She was barren, could not have children. And because of the concern of their heritage in this day, he sought out a second wife. And Penina was on her way to having children. You have Hannah, has no children. She is barren. Verse 3. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, which was Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. So what's going on is we have one man with two wives, one priest with two sons. One man with two wives, one priest with two sons. And when the time that Elkanah came to offer, he gave to Penina his wife, and to her sons and daughters, portions. So it was a great time for Penina. Penina got to receive of Elkanah all the blessing for all the children within the home, the heritage that was there. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. He loved her. She didn't have any children, but he loved her. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Who did it? Who did it? Amazing. Different than a medical diagnosis of our day. Okay. Verse 6. And her adversary provoked her sore. Who was this adversary? For to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Who was this adversary? Verse 7. And as she did so year by year, they went up to the house of the Lord, and she provoked her. Who provoked her was Penina, the other wife. Can you imagine being Hannah? And there's Penina, all the children, all the blessing. And there you are, no children. Your husband comes, gives you a double portion, then says to you, here it is. And watch what happens. Verse 8, Then Elkanah, her husband, came to Hannah, and he said, Why are you weeping? She's obviously crying because she's sore. She's hurt. She's broken. She wants to have children, can't have children, wants to do this. It's not working. Why do you not eat? Why are you grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? He's really struggling. Am I not? I mean, aren't I a great husband? Why do you want children? On one hand, he has a wife with all the children. On the other hand, a wife that can have no children. He's frustrated. He don't know how to help her. The the one wife is obviously uh, beginning to cause the other one to be so perplexed. To the point that she's crying, weeping, not eating. Isn't this how you naturally react? I mean, ladies, if you're crying at an event and you're supposed to be happy, but you don't feel happy, you're crying inside. You're not hungry and your husband wants you to eat because after all, his reputation's on the line here. He's went up year by year to do this. He's in front of the church. I mean, he might have been a great leader. 
He don't want one wife crying. Let's not get into two wives. Because <laughs> he's still working on me, you know what I mean? He said, am I not better than ten sons? And the answer is no. God's better than ten sons, but you're not. Amen. Verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they ate in Shiloh and after they had drunk, and Eli the priest. Now we have the priest. Remember Elkanah with two sons, Eli, or I'm sorry, Elkanah with two wives, Eli with two sons. As he rose up, there was Eli on the seat by the post of the temple. Verse 10. She, that is Hannah, was a bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed will look on the affliction of me and remember me and not forget me, then I'll give this man-child to you all the days of his life that a razor will not come upon his head. What she's literally saying is, if you will give to me what I want the most, I'll actually give everything back that you want the most. You see, this kind of lineage is producing for God a minister that he doesn't have present right now. Eli is a broken priesthood with children, uh, sons that he would not discipline. And because he didn't discipline, the outside the temple was just... All kind of sensual things happening, whether it be prostitution and otherwise. It was horrendous. And so she's in there pleading for God for what she wants the most and then willing to give back to God what He wants the most. Tremendous vow. She vows a vow. I want to encourage every mother here to make a vow with God over your children. Let's keep reading. It came to pass in verse 12 as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Hannah uh, spoke in her heart, her lips didn't move, and Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said, how long have you been drunk? Are you like a drunk? Because after all, he was probably used to seeing drunk women outside the place. He wouldn't correct his sons and they responded to the drunks. So now is she just another drunk person in the temple? I mean, is he used to doing church this way? This is literally was the atmosphere of the day. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured my soul out before God. Count not your handmaid as the daughter of Belial. This was a response of those daughters that were out there, the, the sensual things that were going on. For out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition of him. And she said, Let your handmaid find grace in his sight. How does this lady know in a broken generation of broken priesthood and a broken home that she could seek God for grace of herself? In and of her day, men were spoken of, not the women. But today I want to honor every mother. Not only here, but the mothers of Scripture that were barren at once. And God said, I'll change not only a family, but I'll change a generation of people and I'll use a mother to do it. Wonderful. Uh, Verse 19, they rose up early in the morning. They worshipped, so they finished the worship. They came to the house of Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife Hannah. They were intimate. And the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, after Hannah had conceived, she had a son. She called his name Samuel, because I've asked him of the Lord. Samuel. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the next time. Here we go, yearly offering. But Hannah did not go, because she said to her husband, I will not go until the child is weaned. And then I'll bring him that he may appear before the Lord, that he may abide there forever. 
forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems good to you, and tarry until you have weaned him, only that the Lord will establish his word. Is that the voice of every husband to his wife? The only thing I want for you is for God to establish his word in your doings. So the woman abode and gave suck to her son until he was weaned. And when she had weaned him, took him up with her with a three-year-old bullock and an ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Don't you know he was? And they slew a bullock, brought the child to Eli, and said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul lives, I am a woman that stood by you here praying to the Lord. This child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as I live, shall he be lent to the Lord, and he worship the Lord Right there. Hannah was barren at a time Israel was bound by an ungodly priesthood. She was provoked within her own home. But can I ask you a question out here? I know there are many, maybe it's not just someone here, but someone you can minister to. The provoking and the division of a home should never stop your devotion to God. May I say to you this nice lady Hannah, Hannah means grace. Hannah means grace. In Luke chapter 2, Simeon holds up, and next week I'll preach before we dedicate a child to the Lord, which means that we're going to pray and ask God to do all that He wants in a child's life. Hold him up before the Lord. And in that instant, Anna. The New Testament name Anna was the name Hannah of the Old Testament. It meant grace comes in that time. Grace comes at the dedication. You have a lady who names means grace, and she wants this grace for her household. She goes to the temple. She's provoked. There's division within a home. I mean, this guy's in love with not only her, but obviously has another wife. It's a real mess in our day if we had this thing going on. And there's Hannah. But her division in the home never stopped her devotion to God. She would suck it up. Have you ever had to do that? I'm sure if you're a great mother, there's been times that you just had to put yourself in the back seat and let your children and your family just get to the front. I mean, after all, you look at the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. She cares for so many things that have to do with the nurturing, the feeding, and all the care inwardly of the children. It's not Men are external. But these mothers, are so they care about your feelings. They want to know you're, you're okay, that you're not sick, that you don't have a fever. Dad just wants to know. It's, it's, it's kind of a caveman thing. You know, like he goes hunting and drags a, like a big chicken bone home. You know what I mean? He, just, he brought the paycheck home. You know what I mean? This can happen. Okay. I better get back up here. I get... Okay. So that the division did not stop the devotion. She also vowed a vow to God while her soul was bitter. How hard is that to do, ladies? And as great mothers and grandmothers, how hard has it been in seasons of your life? Well, there was something very bitter, something that left a very bitter taste in your mouth to actually get in a position to go make a vow to God. Can I ask you another question about your vow as a mother? How much strength does it have? Do you find yourself after you've made promises to God or even ask Him to be able to make a vow that you really meant? Was there enough power to see it come to pass? And she knew that she had not enough strength, so as she left the temple, she said, just let me find grace in your sight. That's saying, you know, 
what, I don't have enough merit to really bring this vow through. I'm not going to have enough strength. Some days I feel very weak. I want the best for my home, the best for my children. I want to be the mother that God called me to be. But the truth is, real life has just hit me right in the face. And there's some real bitterness looking at me, and I don't know how to do this. Lord, will you help me? Just let me find grace in your sight. This is a lady. This is what every good mother's made of. They're made of the grace of God and the workings where God comes in and graces them with the strength just to keep on going, vowing, remembering the vow that they made to God. When they made the vow to God, they only keep it by the strength of God. This is where God begins to get into play in a mother who points the child back to him, as you heard in the song, the special that was sang. You can't keep a vow if you don't make one. You can't keep a vow you don't make. And you can't ask for God's grace in a vow until he's first stirred your heart for something you want the most. And whether you have a child, you're expecting to have a child in the future, I want to encourage you some basic things. Pray for these children. Pray before they're conceived. Pray for what you should name them. Their name matters. Mark them with a name that is responding to the vow you made to God over the child he would give you. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm not expecting a child. I have a child. Maybe I'm a new mother. Pray for the child. Ask God how you should pray and what you should pray for in their life that you could see God begin to fulfill these steps of their life. Again, make that vow with God. You're a mother. Nobody has a deeper influence in your child's life than you. As a grandmother. Maybe you say, I'm not even pregnant yet, but I want to have children. Pray for God to send to you the blessings of your life through this child. You say, what will my life mean when I'm done? Let God give to you your heritage. Pray for your heritage in God. Vow a vow. God can't help you keep a vow that you won't first make. Make that vow. Step out in faith. Yes, you'll need God's grace. We all need God's grace. After we've made a promise, we would do something for the Lord. All of us need God's grace. As I said, Lord, I agree I'd pastor a church and love them and teach them your word. Man, I need God's grace. God, I found out I just don't have enough strength some days. Can you give me my grace in the time of need? And boy, he is able, he's effectual, he's, he's sensitive to that, able to do it. And then she gets a bit farther and has the child. And she says this tremendous thing to God. If you will give me what I want. I'll give to you, God, what you want. If you will give to me this child because I'm barren, I don't have a child, Lord, I want a child. I will give him to you. And God's thinking, oh my, I have a lady aligning with my will that wants my grace to get the job done. And I've got a whole nation that's in real big trouble. And I've got a priesthood that's in trouble. And I think I could just take this little guy out of her and she would instruct him and I could bring forth what I want out of little Samuel. And here Samuel's born. You see that the family goes and she says, I'm not going yet. I don't know what Samuel looked like literally, but at one point Samuel was just that little baby like we held last night with some friends of ours. Little guy's just about a month old 
old, and boy, my wife, as soon as they wrapped him up and give her a bottle to feed him, I thought, whoa, that's the end of talking to my wife tonight. <laughs> my wife's out. She's not into this birthday party anymore. You know, it's just, it's, of course, I'm just as weak because it wasn't about a half hour. She said, do you want to hold him? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I just remembered how little, you know, all of our children were. And here he was, and little guy, and I want to keep him warm. I mean, Samuel was like that, and this was just a promise. She had made God a vow. Wouldn't it be easy to have the child after you've made the vow and just say, um, I don't think our doctrine aligns with what I was really praying about at the temple. Like, I don't think God really wants me to do that. Because after all, in a practical way, what she was about to do when he was weaned was take him to a priesthood to a temple where things were not going well at all. It was not going well around Eli. Eli's sons were very corrupt. They were doing very bad things. And this lady who made a vow to God meant what she said. But how hard would it be to drop off like this little baby, when he was weaned, whatever this age was, when he was weaned to take this precious little guy named Samuel that was like your firstborn, your hope in God, not only pleasing that God heard your prayer and not only pleased you, but this was a fulfillment within your home. Your husband had to be awfully pleased that now you have borne him a son named Samuel and you've got to break the news to him at breakfast or sometime. By the way, I made a vow with God that I'm giving Samuel away. And so anyone listen, I know by podcast, if you've ever felt like your children at times, there are ladies around the country now who are women of faith who at one time in their life felt that it would be better for someone else to raise their child. And I speak abroad across this country for somebody you don't know. I sent them a message this week and I want you to know you can lend your child to God. You can make a vow today, and if you have have understood the anguish of that and sometimes the guilt of that, I'm going to ask you as a mother who have lent your child to God to be cared for by someone else, to receive the grace of God and the blessing of God, place your faith in that and in their life, pray for that child and let God do in them. Listen, you as a mother will never be changed for that child's life. I'm asking you to pray a prayer, make a vow with God, realize that you lend him to the Lord and that no matter what the situation looked like in your life or others, that God could keep his end of the bargain. The strength here was not Hannah but God. But there had to be a day that she walked up. And can you imagine? I mean, after all, her last encounter with the so-called church of the day was the guy hit her on the mouth. Can I ask you if it was your first visit to this church and you prayed, poured your soul out on the altar? If I come and smacked you in your mouth thinking you were drunk and you had made a vow to God that if He'd give you a child, you'd give Him to the Lord... How confident would you be when you came back after you weaned him? Would you leave there with such glee? Or would you say, God, it's going to take your grace for me to leave him? I mean, little Samuel, are you kidding me? Not one of my children would I have left among this in a natural sense. But she made a vow to God, this child will be the Lord's. And that's for every mother. I want to encourage you, let every one of your children be God's children. There are going to be days they do the thing that makes you smile, and there's going to be some days where some th- cause us to frown. But in all things, may we say to them, you have been given to the Lord. This is why I teach you the way of Christ. This is why I pray for you. I'm going to give you to the Lord. You're never too late to do that. 
Never too late to do that. Never too early to do it either. Never too early for a mother to start praying. Never too late for you to start praying or making a vow. In an area maybe you thought you didn't have the strength. Guess what? You don't and I don't. But God has enough strength. Maybe in areas you've seen yourself and not being a great mother. You know what? Let's find grace. Let's find the grace of God and let Him help us. But there had to be that day she marked up to Eli. And she said, you remember, you heard it in the verses. You remember when I prayed, I'm that lady. She didn't bring up, you know, I'm the one you smacked in the mouth. But I am the lady who poured my soul out to God and here's what I prayed for. She brought back to God sacrificially what God gave to her as she asked. I want you to know even in bitterness and division of your home, you can ask God for things and make a vow to Him in His grace that He can make right at the end of the day. I don't know what it looked like. Can you imagine the very moment when she realized we have come? There's Samuel. I've rocked him. I've weaned him. He's the most handsome little boy I have ever known. I mean, everyone knows their children are the best looking, right? Come on, I've got to make you laugh a little. (laughs) There he is. But there was a time when she said, To somebody, some transition took place because Samuel this day wasn't going to go home with Hannah. You see, it sounds like something you read those verses till I get you down here and we start walking through the dirt together and you realize what did Hannah feel like? What was her devotion to God the day that she turned around from Samuel and said, we're going home? What was the ride like between the temple and back to the house? What was the next morning like without Samuel? What was the next year like not knowing every little thing that was taking place in his life? This brings reality to the vow. So now I want to remind you of the importance of your vow. As you pray prayers over your children and ask God to give you grace to keep it, they're really weighty. And they matter. And if you pray the prayers and make these vows knowing God will do His end of it, what does it really look like? Because after all, God now had received what He wanted. It wasn't just the sorrow of a lady and the sacrifice of a vow, the grace that carried it through. Now you had a rejoicing in heaven. There was a mother who in barrenness against an ungodly priesthood had now offered her son, one who would minister. And the Bible says here that Samuel began to minister unto the Lord. I mean, can you see this little guy? When you talk about this special, you saying this was one sent from God into the earth to minister back to the Lord Himself. I mean, his day and night was just ministering to God. Like, Lord, what do you want? After all, the rest of the priesthood had gone away. They had done their own thing. Their own sensual desires were now being met. But this young man had a different heart, a different motive. He had a mother that made a vow over his life, meant what she said, and then received by a God who meant what he said. And at the end of the day, it says things like this. And as Samuel began to grow in stature, God never let one of his words fall to the ground. This young man spent his life ministering unto the Lord. If you had the confidence knowing all of your children you prayed for would minister unto God, how would it make you feel? That your children's life service would be spent ministering unto the Lord's needs. I mean, I go to prayer and I ask the Lord all the time for what I want. 
But I'm asking you today, I wonder what God's hungry for. I think by this text of Scripture, He's saying to every mother, do you know the value of your vow? I want you to understand and be blessed and encouraged by the value of your prayer today as you believe this word. I want you to believe for what looks impossible. I want you to help somebody else believe for what looks impossible in their life. I'm going to ask you to lend your children whether you drop them off or not. Even in their living day by day with you, will you lend them to the Lord? Will you give them to Him? They're going to face troubles of life. They're going to face success. But are you willing to give them to God? Give them to God means at one point you'll have to take your hands off. On some situations, you'll need to have your hand removed. And I know that day that she, that is Hannah, probably didn't have the strength herself, but it's like me standing in a hard situation. Many times you have to help the loved one to be removed from the situation. They can't handle it. Maybe your husband will have to help you remove your hand from the very thing that God's asked you to do. A friend, a pastor, whoever it may be. Remembering the vow that you made with such importance and such gravity that it very well may cost you even the emotions in the moment when you realize this is what I prayed for. But here was God all at once, a young minister. You see, Samuel would end up being the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. He come at a time of intersection. There was no one could prepare a way like young Samuel. After all, he would anoint the Saul who would be rejected for himself and then reign in the time of King David as he anointed him with oil. This is the one who would stand up and begin to anoint one with a man-made vessel and one with a God-made vessel. And God had sent and begin to applause in heaven the very priesthood and the kingdom that he would bring into the earth, the pattern of King David himself. What a wonderful thing. And he brought David in a time like this through a prophet named Samuel who would be the first one to establish the essence of the kingdom of God itself as the way we know it according to the natural way of Israel. God did this through a barren lady who one time lived in a divided home who had her own heart filled with bitterness and now prayed to vow and the God of heaven met her according to his own grace, his own need. She gave to God her bitterness. God gave back to her a blessing. She gave her son at the altars. God gave him a blessing. God got a blessing in heaven from Samuel. And this is the reason we were brought in the earth to live. Was to give God the glory that He deserves. In chapter 2, as you go home this week, I'd like to ask every mother to read chapter 2. She may have come in bitterness of soul at the altar when Elkanah brought her to town to worship and Eli smacked her on the mouth supposing she was drunk. But she prays a wonderful prayer And starts by saying, and Hannah prayed after she had lent him to the Lord. After she dropped him off at the corrupt priesthood. After she left her hands off and went home. Here's how she prayed. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. God had made himself known to the broken and the barren. And it is the ladies, it is the mothers today that I remind of their incredible faith, not only for their children, but their incredible ability to sacrifice their prayer time and allow it to be sacrificial to God, supporting God. What does God want in our day? If there be something that God doesn't get, 
out of this day could he use you as a mother to lend your children to him to get what he needs. Were we sent into the earth to get all we could get out of God or so that God may get all he can get out of us? And will the pouring out of ourselves and the giving ourselves to him be enough to give us what we ask for? And the answer is yes. She said, my, hornet, my strength is exalted. Thy salvation. How did she know about salvation? Now, I know we've covered a lot of areas, and I'm closing here. I'd like to ask them to come up and Man, I can see some like real heavy emotions in the crowd. Maybe you're a mother, a grandmother, and you wonder what your influence is. You wonder if it's too late. It doesn't matter how many children you have or how old they are. You can vow a vow today. Maybe you're a new mother, and you say, boy, pastor, I need to know that God's grace will be enough for me because I want to I wanna give this child to the Lord. Maybe you want to have children, and you don't think it looks possible, and you just want to make that vow, Lord, will you give me my heart's desire? You can't make that kind of vow with God unless you've made it individually for your own life. It's hard to give your children to the Lord if we haven't first given our life to the Lord. I trust those of you who have given your life will make this vow. Because God has a need today, not only in a family, in a church, but in a country. And if you could raise Samuel up in this day, I believe you could raise your children up in the day in which we live. This is not just a Bible story. This is the truth on how God works. And he uses the mothers. God bless every one of you mothers today. May your influence and may your faith be strengthened. We find out to give to God allows us to receive. Maybe you have a situation, you say, it's just been really hard for me to give this over to the Lord. And that could be in multiple fronts. Maybe it's a grandchild. I've just had a hard time, Pastor, giving this to the Lord. It's just burdened me. It seems like I haven't given it because I keep laying hold of it myself. I can't walk away from Eli. I don't think where they're headed is a place I want them to be, and neither did she. But she knew the God in whom she would put her son Samuel, the God who would hold this son and protect him, was enough she could trust in. Do you? Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 945 a.m. with worship services at 1045 a.m. 
In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 8.30 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.
Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 830 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.